you if you're a guest with us today. We're so thankful that you're here. We welcome you today. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Amen. I know there's quite a few out today that are sick. Uh, they had to take Pop Owens to the hospital this morning. He came but wasn't feeling well. So if you're here, if you're watching us today and you're not feeling well, we pray in Jesus' name for your strength and for your health in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. I want to just, I don't know what this one to being talking, teaching, preaching. We're just going to flow with the Holy Ghost for a few moments this morning, see what the Lord would like to say to us. We are in a very exciting time and very pivotal time as a church in the history of this church as a part of Antioch West. And so I believe that there is some things as we go forward as a church, but also I think this all, that there's application to here, not only as a church, but also there's application here for us on an individual basis. John chapter 6, and I want to just skim through for a few moments the entirety of the chapter because I feel like um, all of John chapter 6 gives context uh, that is needed to understand where we're going today. On a side note, I was going to say this earlier, but it's really awesome to have Brother Levester Johnson hang in with us today. He's going to help us in just a few moments with taking down some of our stuff. So we may have to have more stuff to take down to get him an excuse to come hang out with us more. So next week, got to put him up and put him down. Just We'll put that in your job description. John chapter 6. I've said this before. Just give me a second. Uh, but the Bible has four books in it that are called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you read the Gospels, you'll notice that each one of them has a unique way of telling the story, but also we find that many times they will repeat the same story, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they vary as they repeat the story, they vary on how and which way they sandwich the story and what the context of the story and where they're going to take the story next. It's not that they're not telling the correct story, but each one of them uses the story to illustrate a different point. Uh, There is a very famous story in Scripture where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And the story goes that uh, a a large crowd, around 5,000, gathered together uh, to listen to Jesus teach. And his disciples came to him and said, we've got a problem. Um, we got a lot of people here that are hungry, but we don't have any money to feed them. The little bit of money we have is not going to be near enough to be able to get them anything to eat. And Jesus had this dialogue with them and said, what do we have? And there was one particular disciple that spoke up and said, well, there's a lad here. There's a boy. He's got five loaves and two fish. And uh, that's about all we've got to work with. And Jesus asked them to bring this five loaves and two fish to him. And he prayed it, blessed it, multiplied it, and fed 5,000. This is not the story or the context in which I want to go today. But just as a side note to that, God's not asking you to give something you don't have. He's just asking you to give what you have. If you're here today for the very first time, God's never going to ask of you something you don't have, but he will ask you to give all that you do have. And it doesn't have to be much in your eyes, but to God, all he needs is something to work with. The Bible says that for your ashes, he'll give you beauty. Think about that. He's not asking you to give something great. He's take, take, give me your burnt up dreams. Give me your 
your, your burned up heart. Give me your burned up soul. Give me your burned up wishes and hopes and relationships. Give me those and I'll give you beauty. He said, give me your mourning. I'll give you joy. Give me your heaviness. I'll give you a garment of praise. You see, the beauty of God, and this is not where I'm going, but I just have to stop here for a moment and talk about Jesus. The beauty about Jesus is you just got to give him something to work with. You know, sometimes you can doubt your way to a miracle. Not every time you believe, say, God, you're able to do it. Sometimes you're like, well, I don't know if you'll do it or not, but I'll give you a chance, Lord. And God's like, yes, I got something to work with. Sometimes for your doubt, he'll give you faith. But you got to give God something to work with. You can't just give God nothing. And so in this story, the context of the story, uh, they give him five loaves and two fish. And Jesus feeds 5,000. In fact, one gospel writer tells us that after they were done, that they picked up the fragments that were left over And it filled 12 baskets of leftovers. And in John's story, in John chapter 6, John immediately takes us from this scene. I get this scene for a moment because this is all going to build to the point I want to get to in just a few moments. But I want you to paint this picture for me, okay? So let's just work with me just for a moment. We don't have 5,000 here today but we have a decent amount of people in this room. If I stood here today with a cheeseburger and a small fry from McDonald's and I prayed for it and tore it to pieces and every one of you had all that you wanted to fill yourself with and then we had leftovers, that'd be a pretty powerful testimony of the power of God. Now take that and multiply it on a scale much greater than this. And John books in, he kind of he kind of takes the narrative right after this story, okay? So this just happened. And the disciples get on a boat to go to the other side of the sea. This is the story, and John really doesn't get too deep into it. Other writers give us a more descriptive story of what happens, but this is the story that you may have heard about. If you're new today, you may have heard of this. This is the place where Jesus comes walking on the water. So get the picture here. We've got the 5,000 being fed by a value meal from McDonald's. In fact, you can't even get five loaves and two fishes anymore at McDonald's. When did McDonald's come become so expensive? My goodness, feeding a family of five, it's like, this is McDonald's. It's not a gourmet meal. And he just fed this 5,000 with this small amount of food. Then his disciples get on a boat, go to the other side. Jesus walks on water. John says that when the Next day, when the crowd woke up, I don't know if they had gone back to their homes or they were so full they'd fallen asleep, but when they woke up the next day and they looked, they noticed that the boats were gone. And they assumed that Jesus and the disciples had gone to the other side. And so the Bible says in John that they all got in the boats and they followed him. And this is where I want to take the story, pick up the story. So here's where we are, okay? Here's the context of where we are. We've just had the 5,000. 5,000 fed. Jesus gets his disciples in a boat. They go to the other side. He walks on water. The group gets up, sees the boats are gone. They chase him down. And this is where the story begins. And when they found him, they got out of the boat. They go to look for him. And the Bible says in verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus and answered, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the God the for, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now I want you to watch for a moment because this is a huge understanding of who God is. 
And after pastoring now for, for, for well over a decade, full-time pastoring, and being around church all my life and seeing people and seeing people come and go, this is one of the main things I watch people struggle with. This little section, not this particular scripture, but the concept in this in this scripture, because they had just seen God do an amazing miracle. They're chasing him. They're seeking him. It looks right. They're looking for Jesus, but when they showed up, Jesus discerned their heart and said, you haven't come looking at me for who I am. You're looking at me because your bellies were full and now you're hungry again. Notice that. There's nothing wrong with believing and desiring that God can supply your need today. There's nothing wrong today believing that God can do anything in your life today, whatever it is. And I don't say that as hyperbole. I don't say that to pump you up. I say it because I know it to be true. I've experienced it in my life. And if we had the time today, we could pass this microphone around this room today and story after story could testify about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We can talk about the fact that when you were sick, he healed you. When you were broke, he supplied your needs. When you were broken, he brought your family back together again. When you were lost, he found you. When you were sick, you were healed. When you were, when you were wandering in confusion, he gave you hope. We can tell of those stories. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong today that believing that out of nothing, God can make something. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem with that is, what are we seeking for in all of this? What are you seeking for today? If you're brand new here today and this is your first time, I challenge you with this thought for this morning. And that is, you've come here and we're so thankful to have you. But now that you're here, can I ask you a question? What are you looking for in your life? Because here's the key point. Is that we can seek for the loaves and the fishes. Or we can seek for the God of the loaves and the fishes. You see, that was a frustration thing he, that Jesus had. And we're going to get this in a minute. And I'm, we're going to take a right turn here in a moment. But just, it's a very important part of this whole narrative. The thing that began to frustrate Jesus. And actually, Pastor David was here last week. And he talked about it. Is the thing that frustrated Jesus is that if they would have looked and realized who was standing before them, they would have known that he was the God of the loaves and fishes. That if they got him, they got loaves and fishes. See, you can seek for your need and not get the God of your need. But if you get God, you get everything you need. Because here's the problem, and this is what Jesus said. If I put before you today, and I can feel it, it's not a spiritual thing. It's just natural because my stomach is telling me I'm hungry. That's not a joke. I'm actually legitimately hungry right now. (laughs) I wish that was a joke. For some reason, last 10, 15 minutes, I really started getting hungry. I'm even telling my my own self, hurry up, Joel. Food's on the way somewhere. But I'm hungry. But right now, for those of you that missed breakfast, and you're hungry right now, if I brought before you the best meal that I could prepare for you that had everything that was your favorite food, and I put it before you right now, and you ate it, and it was the best you've ever had, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be full. But a little while later, you're going to get hungry. How many of you on Thanksgiving and Christmas, when you eat that meal or Easter, whatever time you have one of these big meals that you eat, you're like, oh, I'll never be able to eat again. About three hours later, you're like, anybody got any snacks, anything? I just like feel a little hungry. We've all done that, right? You just eat. And like, you know, when we do these meals, sometimes a family, we eat around two or three. And we do that because we want to eat so we can eat again. So when you get Meal one out of the way, so we have room for meal two. And so it's meal two, meal three, especially my brother who he, he, he can eat. The man loves to eat. I'm not, I mean, as funny as it sounds, 
I'm a one plate, one and a half plate type person. Even on big meals. I don't know. I've just never, never had, never went back. He's like a three or four plate guy. And I've watched him. He's always said, you know what? I'm not going to do it this year. And he just, he, just, he just takes it in. And I know I can see it about plate three. He just starts to get that glassy-eyed look. And he's, he's starting to get, you know, get the meat sweats. And he's starting to, you know, need the stretchy pants because everything is getting. And I watch him. And I know he's going to do it. He just he hobbles over to the chair if we're at my parents. He'll hobble over and sit in that chair. And you can tell he doesn't want to move. And usually if we're at my parents' house, my mom makes this. I'm, I'm not a big dessert person. I know it sounds funny, but I'm, I'm not a big. Now, you put a cookie in front of my face, a chocolate chip cookie, we can talk. But pies and cakes and all that's never my thing. But my mom makes this cherry pie thing he likes. And I can tell. He sits there. And he wants that pie, but he knows if he takes it in, there's nowhere for it to go. But what's amazing, as full as he is, about two hours later, you got any pie left? And I watch him eat the pie because it doesn't matter how much you're full, we all know that eventually you're going to be hungry again. That's why Jesus looked at the woman in the well and said, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. See, that's the, that's the illusion. I mean, this is such a left turn to where I thought I was going today, but we're just going to roll with Jesus. That's the illusion of our world. Our world preaches and, 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 and advertises satisfaction, but it's so temporary. It's so temporary. You spend all that money on the vacation, and it's so great, but when it's done, it's done, and you're left with a bunch of memories and a credit card bill. Because it teaches us to live in the moment. Satisfy your moments, no, the moments. And the problem is with that is we get so used to and we're fed by the spirit of this world that's trying to satisfy your momentary need. But what's amazing is if you really know scripture, the Bible says we don't even know what we need. How many times did you want something? You got it. And when you got it, you realize it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. You ever raise kids? Kids don't understand this concept. They, they don't understand why they don't need that fifth toy just like the other four they have. They don't understand that. So we had a, we had a thing in our house. If you want it, go buy it with your money. So, Noah, I got a little seven-year-old son, Noah, not little anymore. My God, I carried him to bed last night, and I'm thinking, when did this giant live in my house? But the other day, he wanted something. I don't remember what it was. And we knew it was pointless. Why get it, son? You're going to play with it for 10 minutes and sit. But he's like, well, I need it, Dad. I got to have it. I said, well, you know what? You want to go upstairs. So he, next thing you know, he was quiet which is never a good sign. If Noah's making noise, that's actually comforting. If he's quiet, that's a bad sign. <laughs> See, he was real quiet. I walked up to his room, and he had his little piggy bank out. He was digging through coins, pennies, dollars. And he walked up, and he said, I don't know how much money this is, but you think this is enough. So I looked through it, and I said, well, it may be enough. So he said, can you take me to the store to get it? So I don't know when we were out. We finally went by and got it. Sure enough, he bought it. And guess what? He hadn't played with it more than one time. But he had to have it. How many things in your life you thought you had to have when you got it? That was it. The problem is, we take that initiative with God. God, I've got to have this right now. And God's like, yeah, but you don't need that. But no, God, I've got to have this right now. Yeah, but you don't need this. Because why? If you would get me... I'll be what you need because what you need is going to change from day to day. What you need now when you're 40, you didn't need when you were 20. 
What you need now when you're 50, you didn't need when you were 30. What you need at 30, you may not need at 50. And so Jesus is sort of addressing this whole attitude. He says, do not labor for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work with the works of God? And Jesus answered said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who, he, who, whom he sent. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may believe and may, may see it and believe you? Now, I'm going to read this again to make sure you, I'm not making this up. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe in you? What just happened to these same group of people? They got fed from a value meal from McDonald's. And they saw Jesus go to the other side without a boat. And his clothes didn't get wet. And they're asking what sign? What sign? Our fathers ate the man in the desert as written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus answered and most assuredly I said to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us the bread always. And Jesus said to him, I, he goes back to this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, you, 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 you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to you. And the one who comes to me, I will know means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son believes in him that has everlasting life. I will raise him up in that last day. He keeps going back to this whole thing. In the end, all of this is really simple. Boy, this is so different than where I thought it was going. Lord knows. It really comes down to, it's just simply Jesus. It's really not that complicated beyond that. Today, if you're new here today, I don't offer you complicated theological understandings. I offer you one thing, Jesus. If you're here today and you need something, I offer you one answer, Jesus. I can't offer you a perfect life. I can't offer you everything in your life's going to be good. I can't offer you that, okay, you're, uh, what, what need do you have today? Well, we'll sprinkle some magic fairy dust on you and your need's going to be met. Because guess what? You take care of the need today, tomorrow when you wake up. Guess what? A new need. New need. How many days? Come on, some of you with some, with some life experience. You're not just a spring chicken. You've had some life experiences. Look back on your life. How many days did you live where you had no problems? Think about it. Come on, let's be honest. How many days have you lived where you honestly woke up and went, today is the great day. I have no problems. How many you think? But let's just, let's just, let, let's, let's say if, oh, how can I say this? And if you're over 30, I'll be kind. If you're over 30 years old, you can answer this question. If you're over 30, how many of you can honestly sit here without a lot of brain power, but let's just take, how many of you think that you've had uh, more than 50 days in your life? Obviously, when you're a kid and you know, let, let's understand perspective, folks. I get it. As you've gotten older. Let's just put it this way. From the time you've turned 18 until now, 
How many days do you think you have woken up and really honestly said, I've got no problems in my life? Do you think more than 50? Anybody? Brother Mallory, you got a lot more days though, man. You got a lot more days. They start that way. That's a, they start that way by the time the day gets to the end. Why? So why are we chasing something that we really have never experienced? And to be honest with you, you don't need. My goodness. I'm also going to shut this thing off. I don't even need How many, why are we chasing a problem-free life when we've never lived a problem-free life? And of those times where you had problems, you were still happy even though you had problems. So we know that problems don't necessarily mean unhappiness. So why are we chasing God so he can make our life perfect? When we acknowledge today we've never had a perfect life. And you know what? Jesus kind of told us that from the beginning. Um, that you're never going to have a perfect life. In fact, he promised us we weren't going to have a perfect life. In this world, you shall have tribulation. You're going to have problems, guaranteed. So Jesus told us we're going to have a problem-filled life because ultimately your circumstances should not be the determining factor on the happiness and the satisfaction in your life. Some of you today have pain. Maybe it's natural pain. Maybe it's emotional pain. We have pain in this room today. Some of you deal with immense chronic pain in your body. Some of you deal with chronic pain in your heart from things that have been done to you. Do I believe God can heal? Absolutely. Have I seen him do it? Absolutely. Is he a miracle working God? Absolutely, but I know that you can be happy in pain. I know that you can find Jesus and still be in pain. Can he heal you? Yes. But just because he doesn't heal you doesn't mean there's no hope. Do you think, listen to what the words of Jesus. He said, if your right arm offends you, Cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, cut it out. We had this discussion when in the, the car the other day. I don't, I don't even know how we got on the subject. We were talking with our kids. We got on the subject of, um, oh, is somebody we knew, somebody we are talking about had, um, had some kind of, Infection, physical infection, and we made the stamp. We made the uh, made the the uh, statement that if it doesn't get healed, they may have to cut it off. It was a leg or something. I don't remember what it was. Remember the exact context. And one of my my kids asked, if they do that, do they numb it before they cut it off? And it was like, well, yeah. But then I said to him, but that wasn't always the case. I mean, strap a leather. I'm not suggesting this is what we should do, but strap a letter and bottle whiskey, and there you go. I mean, Civil War, they cut limbs off by the thousands with no anesthesia. Just a good saw and time. (laughs) I couldn't pass it up. Oh, that was like... Nails on a chalkboard. We just had, I just lost half of you right there. It was it. You just tuned out. Now we're not hungry now. <laughs> and so I told them, look, you know, they didn't have that always. They just, that's how they did it. And when Jesus made that statement, he didn't make that statement with anesthesia in mind. He made that statement based off the fact to do this without anesthesia. Why? Because he said it's better to live life that way than to live life another way. Can I make it? Can I make this statement? It's better to live 
a problem life with Jesus than a pain-free life without him. It's better today to come in here with a mound full of problems but have Jesus than walk in here and say, I've got no problems in this world but not have Jesus. Because you see, it was the problems that led me to him. It was the hunger of their bellies that needed to be fed that made them found Jesus. So it's not the problem that's the issue. It's where is the problem that's taking you is the problem today. It's the issue. It's not the fact, let's get rid of the problems. It's what are you going to do with the problems you've got? Where are they going to lead you to? What are you going to seek? And Jesus said, you seek for your bellies to be full, but I am the bread of life. I'm the bread. I know this is not very deep. I had a whole other direction planned for today. I mean, told the small group leaders this morning, and I always tell them, this is where where the Lord's going, but could be others, and this is one of those others. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I don't know who the Holy Ghost is trying to reach for today. I feel like there's there's some of you that you, you're brand new today. So maybe it's your first time. I believe God's trying to talk to you today because you came in this place today seeking for something. You don't even know what you're seeking for. But inside, way down deep in your heart, you're seeking for something. You're searching for something. You're looking for something. Maybe you can't articulate it in the words. Maybe you don't know what you're looking for. But you know that inside of you, there's something that's missing. And I'm telling you today, I don't offer you bread, but I offer you the bread of life. I can't offer you today a problem-free, stress-free, perfect life where nothing is ever going to bad happen, where you're not going to wake up in the morning and have to deal with life, and you're not going to wake up in the morning and have to deal with disappointment and hurt and pain. All I'm telling you today is that there is a God that can walk with you. And for those of you that come here every week, that you get so caught up in your situations, caught up in your struggle, that you lose sight of who you're really seeking for. You started off seeking for him, but in the end you start seeking for what he can do, not for who he is. I've used this before, but forgive me. There's always new people here, so work with me for a second. Brother Joel, would you stand for a second? He's gonna, Brother Jolin is going to represent God for a second. I'm going to represent who I am. This is me. This is what I'm talking about for a second. Hold on. Easy. Easy. But I want you to work. watch me for those of you that are in this place. Here's what happens. The power of being near to Jesus. That's all I'm asking you today is the Bible says draw close unto him. Draw near to him. Let me show you the power of drawing near to Jesus. Because there is no argument Today, Brother Jolin is a big guy. He's not a, he's not a tiny guy. He's a big guy. But if I walk this, if I walk and give separation between where he's standing and where I'm standing today. There's nobody here that would argue in your right mind that this card is in any way the same size as Brother Jolin. Everybody in here would acknowledge today Duh, but watch this. I can stand here. If I put this card up, he completely disappears from what I can see. All I see is this card. All I see is what's in front of me. And to me, when I put him side by side, this card is the same height as he is. And so now when I say, God can do anything. You look at God and you look at your problem and you go, "Mm, I'm not sure. God is so big. He's so awesome. We get up there, we declare and worship. We're talking about let's worship God. Let's give God praise. And you're like, "Uh, well, I would, but this is really big. They say, don't worry, God can do anything in your life today. Just trust him with it. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm not really sure. I can make all I can make that entire section almost disappear. Anybody in this room right now, I can almost make you disappear. But here's the beauty. When you seek Jesus and you grow close to him, that's why he was saying, look for me, not 
the bread. Look for me, because here's what happens. The closer I get to him, watch what begins to happen in my life. Nothing, this is not a magic trick, folks. Does this car, now you're, he's, this is a doctor. He has education to tell me this is the case. Will this car change size from here to there? Under your professional doctoral opinion, <laughs> will this car change size? Okay, that's his professional opinion. He's trained to make these kind of assumptions. Watch this. This doesn't change. But the closer I get to God, the closer I get to Him. Now, when I get to God, man, this doesn't look so big after all. God looks higher. Okay. Now, sorry, sorry. Now, when I get to God, look. Now, if I said, listen, your problem is nothing for God, you'll say, absolutely, God is able to do anything. You'll come in here, you'll lift your hands and say, God, you're awesome, you're able, I believe you can do anything. Why? Not because suddenly my problem has shrunk, but... I've gotten close to Jesus now, and now I can see it. But now when I let my life pull me away, when I let life pull me away, when I get sidetracked in life and I pull away, the farther I get from him, the bigger things get. Now hurt looks big, pain looks big, difficulty looks big, the brokenness of relationship looks big, the outcome of my future looks big, and I can stand here all day and say, hey, God can do anything, and you go, I don't believe he can. I'm telling you, forget the car today. Look at the distance between you and Jesus. Don't worry about the car. Put the card in your pocket for a moment. I'm not telling you that God's going to come today and magically take your card and make it go away. I'm not talking that God's doing that. He may. Can he? Yes. Will he? I don't know. But it's not about the card. It's about the distance. The problem was that they looked at the bread, but they didn't look at the distance they had between them and who Jesus was. He said, look, don't seek for the five loaves and the two fishes. Let's close the gap in Revelation. Let's close the gap in the fact that you see me for who I am. They said, but we know Moses, he gave us bread. He said, you don't even get it. Moses didn't give you bread. My father in heaven was the one that gave you bread. And I have been sent by my father. Let's close the gap today. I don't have to have a counseling session with each one of you to tell you where are you where you are in God. I can tell by watching you worship. I can tell by watching you pray. I can tell how watching you the how you believe where you are because people with a distance struggle believing God. People with a distance struggle with worship, but those who walk next to Jesus when they get close to him, they can go through hell and praise him. They can go through hell and walk in here saying God's good. You can say, well, they're just delusional. Oh, they just lost their marbles. Oh, they just don't know how the real world works. No, you don't know how God works. That's the problem. It's not that they're delusional. You just don't know how God works because the closer I get to him, I don't have to ask this today. I'm done trying to live few minutes early, they give us time. I'm not trying to get you today to somehow trick your mind into thinking this card is smaller than it is. I don't have some kind of magic illusion where I wave this front of this card and suddenly you walk out of here with a business card instead of an index card. This is not the card. Because guess what? Here's what happens. You lay this down today. Thank you, God, for what you've done today. Tomorrow morning, you're probably going to wake up. Let's finally reach it. With a bigger problem. That's going to block out God even greater. Then you're going to come next Sunday and say, Oh, God. Oh, God. You're going to lay that down and you're going to say, Okay, great. Finally, it's all done. Monday morning, you're going to get to work and 
you're going to pick up another card. If you're trying to get rid of your cards today, it's never going to work. Because Jesus said, this world is built to give out cards. This world is, de- is built to deal cards every day. If you don't deal your own cards, trust me, you hang around this world long enough, someone's going to deal it for you. Your boss is going to deal it for you. Your husband's going to deal it for you. Your wife's going to deal it for you. Your kids are going to deal it. Your parents are going to deal it. Friends are going to deal it. Circumstances, your job, money, whatever. You're going to get cards dealt to you today. So it's not about trying to find ways to get rid of your cards. A lot of churches have turned today into have your best life now. Let me tell you how you have your best life now. It's not getting rid of your cards. It's getting closer to Jesus. It's getting closer to Jesus because if I can keep close to him, no matter what card I'm dealt in life, it won't matter because I can see that he's bigger than anything I've got. You want to have faith today? If I ask you today, who in here wants your faith to get increased? Who here wants more faith? I think most of us will probably raise our hand and say, I could use some more faith. I'll use a little more faith. Let me show you how to get more faith. Close the gap between you and God. Seek Him. Because here's the problem we've got is we got a Sunday gap and then a Monday through Saturday gap. Sunday gap, we come in. Woo! Boy, God's good. Go to small group. We talk about it. Look, you see how big God is. Look how caught. But then we got a Monday gap. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. By the time we get Saturday, woo, the gap. So what do we do? We get up Sunday morning. Oh, God, i got to close the gap. You know what you call that? A yo-yo. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Can God take away your cards? Sure. Really? There's a big difference between Kenny and Willie. Kenny, yes. Really? I don't know, because sometimes he said it's better to live with a card than go to hell without one. Question today is it's not the card that's your problem. You know the terminology? People say you got to play the hand you're dealt. Well, that's just the cards I was dealt. No. We're all going to be dealt cards. Cards aren't the problem. It's the gap between you and Jesus. That's the problem. So you know what you're going to have to do today for some of you? You know some things that create a gap? Sin. Sin creates a gap. Sin creates a gap. Unforgiveness creates a gap. So we got all these obstacles in our way right now that keep us separated from him. So you know what today? Instead of looking at the card and saying, okay, God, help me with the card. Why don't you start looking and saying, what are some things in my life that are obstacles for me closing the gap? Lord, forgive me for things I've done that were pleasing to you. God, I forgive and release so-and-so for what they did for me. I'll let your forgiveness flow through me as I forgive them. Every time you do that, watch what happens. Here's a big one, ready? God, I forgive you for the way you've run my life. Because most of us in this room when it all boils down, your biggest problems is with God because you feel like God's been unfair, God did this, God did that. And when you get rid of that, guess what happens? All of a sudden now it begins to change the gap between you and him. When you change that gap, it changes how you see your life. If you're ready to give up on life, you feel like it's over with, it's over with, never going to be, Check the gap first. See, that was the problem. Notice what happened to Peter 
after the denial of Jesus' resurrection, the Bible says that he followed after him a little far off. Because the denial had separated him. But as he closed the gap, he began to find forgiveness and hope. Can I say to you today, if you're new here or you come in every week, where's the gap between you and God? Inventory your life for a moment and see, is there a gap between you and him? If there is, close the gap today. How do I know if there's a gap? I'll ask you very simply, how do you know there's a gap? Look at how big the card looks in your hand today. How big is the gap today? Very easy. How big is your problem? How big is your hurt? How big is your pain? How big is your difficulty? How big is the stuff in your life that is weighing you down? If it's big, you got a far gap. If it's if God looks bigger, then you're on the right track. Close the gap. Can you just take just a moment here? Just close your eyes and bow your head. And then it's just closing moment here today. Is there anyone in here for just a moment that would just be honest with yourself and look at the gap that's between you and Jesus? And maybe today you can make a choice to start closing the gap. Maybe today you can start with closing the gap. How do I make the close the gap? Just take that step. Say, God, here I am. I present myself to you, Lord. Whatever's in me that's keeping me from getting closer to you, whatever is there, be honest with God. Maybe you don't even know, but you can say to him, Lord, I don't know, but you do. Help me today. You don't have to pray some fancy prayer. It doesn't have to sound scripted. It doesn't have to sound beautiful and well-written. It just got to be a, it's got to come from your heart. It's just got to come from a place of sincerity. Be sincere with God for a moment and ask him, say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your grace. I don't want there to be a gap. I don't want to see my problem bigger than you. I don't want to see my difficulty bigger than you. But Lord, draw me close to you. Hallelujah, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that a spirit of revelation of who you are would move into this place today, that you would reveal to each and every heart in this place the revelation of who you are, that you're not just the bread giver, but that you're the bread of life. That we, if we seek you and find you, that we get everything that you have to offer comes with it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you just stand just for a moment? For those of you that would, just lift your hands to heaven all over this place. And I want you just in one final prayer, just ask the Lord to draw you close to him. Ask the Lord, Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to be close to you. I want to walk close to you in the name of Jesus. Maybe you need to ask the Lord, say, show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me today, Father. In the name of Jesus. As a closing prayer, would you just sing this with me? Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. To hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. Nothing else will do. Nothing else can take your place. Just to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find the way. Bring me back to you. You're all I want.
ever needed. You're all I want. Let me know you are near. Oh, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Say it one more time. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Just one more time, would you just lift your hands and tell Jesus that. Say, Lord, you're all I want. You're all I need. Just help me know that you are near. Thank you, Jesus. 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 What a sweet, beautiful response of the Holy Ghost that is in this place right now. Thank you, Father, for your presence. You see, when you begin to draw close to him, he draws near unto you. That's how he responds. That's how Jesus responds. He doesn't leave you empty-handed. He doesn't leave you laying by yourself. When you call to him, he responds back to you. He draws near to you when you call to him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let's just do this one more time. Can we just clap our hands and give God thanks for all that he's done, for all the greatness that he's given. We're so blessed today. So blessed today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God bless you. Next week, Severn Elementary, please Take these cards. They're no good after next week. Take them. Use them. Pass them out. If you would help us break down the chairs, roll up the carpets, it would be greatly appreciated.